The stage is dark, but the conversation is just beginning. Welcome to the Utah Symphony's Ghost Light Podcast, a behind-the-curtain look into the world of classical music and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Jeff Counts, and I am joined again by President and CEO of Utah Symphony Utah Opera, Paul Meacham. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Jeff. Great to have you here with us again. It's going to be a slightly longer episode than usual because we're going to talk about some of the wonderful details of the 1718 Utah Symphony season, which is being announced in congruence with this very podcast. So this is the first season, Paul, 1718 season, that you've had an opportunity as president and CEO to have you know, a hand in the planning of from the start. So was it fun? Talk about that. Well, you know, the planning cycle is actually a lot longer than right. that. So by the time I arrived in July, a lot of the, the planning had already been completed. Oh, true. And, um, you know, I was very happy with the direction in which it was going in. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've added a little voice here and there. But I'm really, sure. yeah. um, Jerry Fisher and, and Christopher Beth for the opera were, were, were well advanced in their plans, which, which, is, which they needed to be. Sure, sure. But you've had a chance to add your thoughts to the mix, and yes, yeah. and I think you know one of the things that, uh, as as you'll see, is that we we are trying to diversify some of our programming right. so that, that that we reach new audiences, right, uh, and uh, offer different kinds of programming, and that's right. certainly something I, I I would like to do more of. Yeah, I, I I do want to talk about that specifically, and let's actually dive into that. Um, we can refer to the current season as, as we talk about this because we've been experiencing, uh, experimenting with adding some additional kind of one-off special concerts in the 16-17 season, which have been very successful. So I'm curious, will this continue in 17-18? To what level are these special concerts likely to become a more regular part of the season landscape for Utah Symphony? Talk about that a little bit. So I think they will. Mm-hmm. Um, there certainly will be more of mm-hmm. them in 17-18 and beyond. Um, and a focus right now is on these wonderful movies in concert. Yes. Uh, Harry Potter being, the, the Harry Potter series being one example. But right. We'll also be doing other John Williams wonderful uh, film scores to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. We're going to experiment with a Western. So, you know, I think my goal is to find different ways to present fantastic symphonic music. Mm-hmm. It may not be, you know, pigeonholed as classical or pops but it's great music and i think everyone can agree that john williams is probably the greatest movie composer of all time and he's um you know he's produced so many great movie scores and they deserve to be heard in the concert hall and and to do it this way the complete score with the movie is an incredible experience if if you if you've experienced it already you'll know and uh, if you haven't you have to because it really enhances the overall experience far superior to seeing the movie in a movie theater I, i do want to talk a little more about the film concert thing but i wanted to ask you first this kind of special one-off programming, which doesn't just involve film concerts, but guest artists with right. the symphony, you know, performing with them, all mm-hmm. sorts of different special opportunities for the orchestra to show its stuff. What are the potential benefits, do you think, beyond ticket sales for this kind of programming? I know that there, there's this feeling that these kinds of experiences can be a gateway drug to people who've never experienced a symphony before, that you get them in, you, you hook them, and then they come back because they're addicted to you, to torture the metaphor all the way to the end. What do you think about that? Well, drug, I, I may not use that analogy, <laughs> but, but I think, it, I think it's, um, you want to present different entry points, right. uh, different doors, 
different audiences have different tastes. You want as broad an audience to perceive the symphony as something that, well, there's an aspect of the symphony that's for me. Maybe not mm-hmm. everything, but something. Mm-hmm. And so I, my goal is to try and uh, expand the diversity of the audience that comes to mm-hmm. the symphony, whether it be for a traditional masterworks or a special with a with a, a well known artist or something else. And I think it's our duty. After all, we're we're funded by the community, although right. whether it's public money or private money, it's right. our duty to uh, reach out and try and attract as as I say as broad a section of the community as possible. So. That's really my philosophy and our philosophy. And I think, um, you know, one year it might be movies and the next year it might be a series of pop artists in in special collaborations. Mm -hmm. We'll Mm -hmm. see. Is the hope that those people who come to, say, a Harry Potter or a Raiders of the Lost Ark will become interested in our mainline Masterworks classical series? Is that the hope? Yes and no. I mean, I think the experience should be rewarding in of itself. Um, the live and nature not, the of live the experience. Nature and yeah. not, not just a stepping stone to something else. On the other right. hand, the fact is these may be audiences who've never been to the concert hall before. Right. So the very fact of, of stepping over our threshold, it means, oh, maybe, and then they had a great time, maybe I'll come back and see something else. So I think in the short term, it would be uh, overambitious to say, well, you know, I came to Harry Potter, next week I'm going to mm. Mahler. Sure. But I think... Just the very uh, habit of coming on a regular basis, people being more open to trying other things that we offer. You know, maybe one of the unseen benefits is that it it can put to bed this myth of elitism that surrounds this business. I've n- I never understood why elite became a four-letter word, but it is. And maybe this is a way to convince people that that's just not the case. My view is that the, the symphony has suffered somewhat from... Uh, a perception of elitism. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the number of barriers. One might be price. You know, the perception sure. is that the the, the symphony is very expensive. Actually, mm-hmm. the, the, our symphony is very inexpensive. But right. you know, that's still you. you know, that's a perception. Right. Uh, the mixed quality of arts education in schools. You have some uh, children who grow who grow up to be you know, very musically inclined because mm-hmm. they've had great musical experiences in school. Maybe they played an instrument and then others who have not. Um, so I think, you you know, our goal is to instill uh, a love of music uh, and, and a passion for it, whatever the, uh, the musical idiom and the orchestra being the constant. Right. Uh, so whether it's, you know, playing with Audra McDonald, as we'll be doing next year, a right. wonderful Broadway artist, or right. whether it's, you know, performing the music of some of the great classical composers. Right. Um, what's at the heart of it all is a symphonic orchestra um, that just, you know, 85 to 100 musicians that, that make this incredible sound, especially yeah. at the level of quality of musicians that we have in the Utah Symphony. And that's the constant, and you want people to experience that. I think what you're trying to say, and I couldn't agree more is that there is absolutely no substitute for hearing this kind of music live correct the best possible set of headphones cannot duplicate the experience of being in that building so you mentioned this film concert thing before and you were beginning to expand on what you Mm -hmm. thought the draw was and i i think it's interesting because these kinds of concerts are huge in the industry right now lots of orchestras are doing it there's new films coming up every year that are available for this kind of experience utah symphony certainly seems to be fully on board with the trend Talk a little bit more about why you think these kinds of experiences, the film experience specifically, is so popular right now. What's what's the draw, do you think, for audience members? Well, I, I think number one is the incredible 
uh, scores. The score and, itself. And John Williams yeah. is the heart of it. I mean, he's the greatest movie composer of all time. Absolutely. And yeah. he's composed, you know, I don't know how many great movie scores. Yeah. must be 30 or more now. And that music deserves to be heard. And oftentimes we'll hear you know, highlights from Star Wars or what have you. Sure. But, but it's just great to hear and see in, you know, Technicolor and, mm. and incredible live sound. Sure, the sure. full experience. So I think that's a relatively new phenomenon because it's only in, in the last five to ten years that the technology has been there to mm-hmm. to strip out the soundtrack from the movie and create, you know, the orchestra parts and so on so that the orchestral part can be heard live as opposed to just on the on the on the movie and mm-hmm. and that i think that the opportunities have only begun to be tapped because there's the modern movies like the ones that john williams has been writing music right. for but there's some classic scores i mean the period of the 40s particularly the 1950s some of the great uh, movie and 60s some of the great movie composers like elmer bernstein and uh, dimitri tjomkin yes. and max steiner and there's a long right. list of them right and those scores, it's right. just great to hear how good this music is in, in, in the live concert hall. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of further opportunity as an art form. Well, I'll give you credit, Paul, because I think you were an early adopter of this concept. You did this in Baltimore long before you came here, and I, I, I want to give you credit for seeing that as a great way to get people into the concert hall. I'm excited about what Utah Symphony is doing. So let's dive into the entertainment series. I'd love to talk about each of the presentations in 1718 in turn. So give us the highlights. What are what's what's happening with the well, with the entertainment series next year? So I mean the, I think it's I think it's one of the best entertainment series we've we've had in in a while. We've yeah. got Audra, some star power. Some star power exactly. Yeah. We've got uh, on one series we have Audra McDonald, great Broadway and TV mm-hmm. singer and TV actress who's doing a show with us. Uh, we have Brian Stokes Mitchell, mm-hmm. another great Broadway singer who's doing a holiday show with us. Not just a Broadway uh, singer, but people will recognize Brian Stokes Mitchell from the first season of Mr. Robot. If you loved that USA show, he was one of the stars on that show. Interesting career. Thank you, Jeff, yep. for that little extra. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we start the season with a, a great Broadway show, yeah. uh, Broadway Leading Ladies with Jack Everly, who's really the preeminent conductor of of uh, this kind of show, pulling together some of the leading ladies that yeah. are currently singing on Broadway. One singing. of the great pops conductors in the country. Right. Yeah. Um, we will be doing a, a tribute to Elvis, Right. Uh, his songbook. So it's a varied show. We've got some some more contemporary artists like yeah. Audrey McDonald and Brian Stokes Mitchell. So yeah. I think it's going to be a great series. That's fantastic. Two mega stars, a Broadway show, a, a show that features dancers, which we, we tried a couple seasons ago and was hugely popular. Plus a tribute to Elvis. I mean, the king. You can't right. beat that. So let's talk about the Masterwork series. We haven't spoken about it yet today because we had Terry Fisher on the show and he took us through it in detail. But you've had a hand in that as well. And I'm curious, what in that concert series are you most excited about for 1718? Well, I don't think there's any single thing. I, I'm excited about some of the debut artists that mm-hmm. are coming. And mm-hmm. we have a wonderful um, German conductor, Markus Stenz, who's Absolutely. making his debut, right. um, who I know well. He's the principal guest conductor in Baltimore, right. and he right. was the principal conductor of the London Symphony that was, that was largely at your urging, if I recall. It, you were, it was. Yeah. It was, and I, and, and I think we won't be disappointed. Yeah. He, he's yeah. conducting um, some Brahms and, and mm-hmm. the wonderful Mozart, mm-hmm. uh, great mass. Um, but there are also some terrific uh, soloists, uh, Harriet Krieg, the mm-hmm. young Dutch cellist, uh, Patricia Kopachinskaya, yes. a wonderful Russian violinist, yes. and um, others too. So I think it's always exciting to pair 
um, some of the, the most amazing young talent with the Utah Symphony, usually with Terry Fisher at the podium. There's genuine electricity, Absolutely. and I'm expecting that. So Absolutely. I think those are some of the things I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to uh, the focus on, on the music of Sassons. Right. Um, a not particular that, passion of Thierry's. It is a passion of his, yeah. and anything that's a passion of the music director is likely to be something that is worth looking forward to because Absolutely. he will bring to it yeah. something that you know we, we didn't expect. I'm also looking forward to the opening gala, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't technically in the Masterworks series, but yeah. it's in the first Masterworks uh, week right. uh, with the great Rene Fleming as the soloist. Christopher just talked um, about that on another episode. Very exciting. So, uh, you know, there's so much. I mean, yeah. there's no single thing that I can say this yeah. is the thing I'm looking forward to. It, yeah. it looks like a very strong season, and I'm very excited about it. I'm so glad you mentioned Rene Fleming and the, and the gala because I do want to talk to you also about Utah Opera. I know that was one of the things that attracted you to this company, the opera uh, aspect. And the opera's having its 40th anniversary in 1718. And Christopher took us through the whole season and it's very exciting to hear what he's looking forward to. But what are you looking forward to in the opera's 1718 season? Well, I think a successful anniversary will achieve certain things. Mm-hmm. It, will, it will celebrate... That where we've come, mm-hmm. and it'll also anticipate where we're going. Right. So the celebration of where we've got to will be with you know opening with La Boheme, right. the the first opera the company ever performed forty years ago. Yeah. Um, and then Moby Dick will look forward, yeah. and I think it's very exciting after many years that we're producing our own new production. Yes. Uh, which of Moby of this I hardly call it a classic. It's only six years old, but it's had many performances in other cities and certainly a classic story yeah. certainly yeah. a classic story yeah. but i mean you know the, the opera itself is is has proven to be very sure. successful in sure. other big markets yeah. um and so uh, it'll be uh interesting to to be the first to create a new production yeah. suited obviously to the capital theater right. and other mid-sized theaters um around the country and you know, anytime there's anything genuinely new like that, uh, there will be a buzz around it, and it's our job to help create that buzz. And and but also, I think the piece will merit it because it's really very strong. I went to see see the opera uh, two months ago in Dallas. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect, but it was one of the best things I'd seen in a very long time. So we are in for a treat there, aren't we? I believe so. It sounds like there's a lot of amazing things to be excited about with the film series, with the with entertainment series. A lot to look forward to in 1718, and I thank you for joining us today to talk about it. My pleasure. Any other sort of big picture things you want us to know about that season? Any sort of thematic or sort of you know meta ideas that that are going to pull this season together? I don't know together? if meta ideas, but I would say I, I would say as we are attracting some of the best new players to, mm-hmm. to the Utah Symphony. We really are. We are also using the opportunity to showcase them as soloists. Yeah. So yeah. in the last three weeks of, of the Masterwork season in 1718, you'll hear our wonderful principal trumpet, mm-hmm. Travis Peterson, mm-hmm. in the Shostakovich's first piano concerto. Right. He's not playing the piano, he's playing the trumpet. <laughs> but the On the trumpet. Big, big yeah. trumpet solo. Yeah. The following week, you'll hear uh, principal... Viola, Brant Blaylis, and yep. Principal Cello, Ryan Edek is playing yep. um, the Don Quixote yes. of Richard Strauss. And then yes. in the final week, our wonderful new concertmaster, Madeline Atkins, is playing the Korngold yeah. violin concerto. So we should be very proud of the fact that we're able to attract such wonderful 
uh, players yeah. and to hear them perform with the symphony at a level just as I mentioned earlier these wonderful guest artists who are making their debut from Europe and other places we have them here too it's incredible it's a wonderful season and I'm glad you brought up that very important aspect of featuring our own wonderful people before I let you go you know the question I have to ask next because it's do. the Ghost Light Podcast and I'm curious <laughs> if you've got any new ghost sightings to report since we last spoke? Well, in fact, I do. Okay. There was a ghost in the Harry Potter, in fact, two ghosts in the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone first movie. Do tell. In December. If you look into the mirror, as yeah. Harry Potter did, yeah. what did he see? He saw his parents. Ah, they were ghosts. Excellent. So I think that qualifies as I, a ghost sighting. I think it does too. That is paranormal. <laughs> That's a ghost sighting. And it's not only a ghost sighting, it's a double ghost sighting. <laughs> President and CEO of Utah Symphony, Utah Opera, Paul Meacham, thank you so much for joining us on the Ghost Light Podcast. Thank you, Jeff. My pleasure. The Ghost Light Podcast is produced by Chad Call. Utah Symphony, Utah Opera's season sponsor is the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation. <laughs>